Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Listeners, brave navigators of the enigmatic and the concealed, have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, Paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK Ultra mind control to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded. Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast. Where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth. What's going on, family? This is another episode of the Paranoid American Podcast, which we'll figure out a name for eventually. But uh, episode three here, and we've got Andy <laughs> Andy Rouse uh, showing up. I'm gonna, not going to keep this display forever. I just thought it was funny. So we got uh, Andy <laughs> from the Deep Share Podcast, man. Um, you're one of my my favorite people to follow on Twitter. You, I feel like we are of like mind when you go on your your deep rants. So I had to have <laughs> you on. I had to like poke at your brain a little bit more. 
but I wanted to give you plugs up front. So, you know, introduce yourself and where people can find you. Cool, man. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And likewise, you're one of my favorite people. And it's been a while since we've got to really connect one-on-one. So this is going to be awesome. But yeah, people can find me at the Deep Share on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Facebook, the Deep Share Podcast, or Andy Rouse, either one. I rant on both of them. But um, yeah, I'm on YouTube and Odyssey and all the regular podcast platforms. So you, you got yeah. any projects or anything in particular you've been working on lately? Yeah, well, coming up, I'm going to be doing a like a breakdown. I was, I'm trying to go chapter by chapter, episode by episode, you know, like a chapter per episode of this book right here called Realm of the Ring Lords by Lawrence Gardner. And he's long deceased now, but he was a really brilliant writer, brilliant researcher. And a lot of my research led to his work, uh, coincidentally, after a couple of years. And like some of my biggest revelations have come from reading his perspective and kind of like, I don't know, a, a, a little bit of confirmation bias, I guess. But uh, <laughs> it was like reading his work was like, oh, my God, yes, yes, yes. This is what I've been itching at in my head, but haven't been able to put the real history to because I'm not as smart as this fucking guy you know so, so i'm gonna go non-fiction this is non-fiction and it is uh it does sound like lord of the rings for a reason because part of this uh is a uh kind of like a little mini bio of of tolkien and his association with ancient history and his fascination with european languages and this and that so it does start there but it also goes into like how tolkien uh basically created this mythical fiction but wove deep historical ideas into it and um it just blossoms from there and yeah so it's like a really fascinating book he's a fascinating author he's written a bunch of books about the grail and things like that but um this one really was what caught my eye uh when i read it a couple of years ago and so yeah i'm gonna go chapter by chapter per episode like that um with a guest and uh just kind of dig through it like a book report kind of so that's have a you read his work have you read his work on the grail too no i've never read any of his grail books which i'm really excited to and to the two of them the most famous ones are bloodline of the holy grail and genesis of the grail kings and i think when i reread this on the podcast it's gonna probably force me to want to look into those other books as well but man, it's like I'm I'm sure you have the same problem where like you get your you get your eye on a book or two and then suddenly it's like 18 books and you know you're just trying to catch up on so much that you want to read it's just never ending. I I've felt that way since I was like 18. <laughs> you you can't see it but under my desk to like my left and right are just stacks of books in both directions of things that I like I I want to grab for quick reference or I figure that if I put it closer to me in proximity then it'll just I'll like be forced to read it, or maybe through osmosis, I'll get some of the information out of it. I don't, I don't know. It hasn't worked yet, but maybe one day. Yeah, man, it's all about building the library. <laughs> and and on a, a random tangent, since you brought up the the Grail a little bit, have you ever read uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which is one yes. of the? That's so what do you out think? there in my bookshelf, right there. So, what's your opinion on Holy Blood, Holy Grail? Like, if you had to give it, I do a lot of, of rating scales. So, on on like a scale of one to ten. Where would you I'd rate it, it in like terms of credibility? Solid seven, solid, okay. solid okay. seven and a half. Um, right, I give think... some wiggle room. What's that? So you give it a little bit of wiggle room. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, and I think I would probably do just like slightly, slightly better for Realm of the Ring Lords. Just I love it, and I'm really passionate about it. But it's like you know, a lot everything we're we're dealing with here. Like I feel like we have to throw out confirmation. Like we're never going to get confirmation in the way that we kind of grew up being familiar with what confirmation felt like when it came to history and things like that. Because when you grow up, you feel like, oh yeah, history is this. And they tell us exactly what happened. Great. It's all conclusive. Now, without like seriously hard evidence, we're never going to, we're just going to have maybe, you know? So, I mean, the Holy, Holy blood, Holy grail, there's a lot there. That's probably spot on, you know, with the bloodlines and everything, but to what perspective are we speaking? And, you know, uh, I don't know. I get into the box saga a lot, right? With that very hypothetical ancient, ancient history, which is like, you know, becoming less and less mythical when you start looking into who was who and where everybody was back then. So it's like, depending on how far back you go, that's where your perspective begins on what the symbols mean, what these stories must have, you know, what, like what kind of mechanisms these stories were for society it's really complex. And I think uh, finding out about like prehistory and all the things we really don't know throws a massive wrench in like all of our spokes, right? We're going to get into box saga, especially. In fact, that was one cool. of the main reasons I wanted to reach out and just get, um, get Andy's cliff notes kind of. But sweet. first, I got a, a series of questions that I want to ask you. I've got like a little bit of a segment. Nice. And it's, it's going to follow a little bit of. Um, like a, a format and I already forgot to ask the first question, which I always do. So maybe that's just going to become part of the tradition as I always forget to ask the first <laughs> question. But before we even started talking, there's one thing that I have to ask every guest. Are you a cop? <laughs> Absolutely not. Are you a fucking cop? Cause if you're a cop, you have to let me know right now. Otherwise I've got, a, I've got like, yeah, it's entrapment and I got a free ticket. So are you? a cop? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> Never so far, no that. one's admitted it. I know, Nobody's right? admitted it yet. So if you're not a cop, that means you'd be willing to do some PCP on camera with me right now. So if you check <laughs> under your chair, no, but oh I, I do, I I do have, if you had any teleportation pills, we could hang out, but <laughs> so I, I like to call, this is a little like quick fire segment and I call it the paranormal conspiracy probe. So you're going to do Ooh. a little bit of PCP All right. and uh, okay. it's just going to be, I, I've, I've adapted it into a one to 10 rating system. So I want to hear on this on one would be, you don't believe it at all. You think it's silly. You think it's a psyop. And 10 would be, oh, no, that's absolute fact. I'm going to teach that to my children and, you know, I'll fight someone that doesn't agree. Maybe not to that extreme, but. Oh, man, this so, is going to be, you're going to have to shut me up every time, too, because, like, man. Well, well here's the good is, thing. All it's, of it's real. All of it's true. It just what perspective, like, is it a lie to cover for something else? Like, oh, my God. I'll be. So, okay, well, like, so so on those, just to add some more boundaries, then, a 10 <laughs> is, like, Whatever the conventional theory is, that that thing is okay. real. So, so if you're like, it's kind of real, but it's also kind of fake. Give it like a seven or something. Okay, you know what okay. I mean, I got you. So, and and we'll definitely we'll go into these. This is what's gonna kind of shape the rest of the conversation. So let's see here. This is brilliant. So just just like first thing that comes to mind. Don't don't sit and dwell on any of them too long. Okay. Was the Titanic intentionally sunk? Yeah, I would Did say. We it uh, that's it. Give me a one to ten. Give me a one to ten. Yeah. A one to ten. Oh man, I'll give it a nine. Okay. 
did we ever land on the moon human humans beings land on the moon i don't think so and i would give that conspiracy probably uh, i'm gonna give it an eight because i'm always leaving wiggle room there so there's not an eight that, that we landed on the moon saw. not for what we saw on tv but like that okay yeah, fair, fair enough yeah. <laughs> uh bigfoot one to ten ten ghosts I'll give it a five. Okay. All right. Subliminal messaging in the media that directly controls our behavior. 10. Harp being used for mind control or weather manipulation. Ooh. And you had to throw that <laughs> either or either or is it, is it politicians or lizard people? Uh, I would say I would give that a seven. Okay. Uh, are dinosaurs real? <laughs> oh, Conventionally, man, so, so like you yeah, went into so a museum and they're like, "There's the Tyrannosaurus Rex." Right, right. How real is that on a scale from one to ten? How real? So how real is that Tyrannosaurus? How real is the representation of that Tyrannosaurus Rex? I think it's quite real. Okay, I do, so, and I'll, I can eight, I can get into it later. Nine? So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Am I going eight or nine on the conspiracy that they're not? No, real? no. How how real are they? Uh, they're very real. I think they're eight or nine. Yeah, eight. Okay. Yeah, let's go with eight. Did Tesla discover free energy that's just been suppressed and no one else has figured it out yet? Yeah, I'd give that a nine. Are there secret messages in the Bible? Encoded. Secret encoded right, messages. Yeah. yeah, ten. Do giants exist in remote parts of the world today? Ooh. I'm going to give it a seven. Your trust in cryptocurrency. My trust is negative. Okay. Like below zero. <laughs> okay. Negative one. The existence of telepathy. 10. And then here, here's the last one. Is there a God, Andy? <laughs> yes. 10. <laughs> 10. Yeah. Okay. So, so some of those were interesting. Uh, yeah, Ghost me. Five, God Ten. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that if we can just jump right to that one, I I do feel <laughs> that uh that that kind of represent because I I've see you in some ways maybe erroneously that you're like the skeptic conspiracy theorist guy. Like you're the one that's you know everyone loves to believe in aliens and um you know MK Ultra and Project Monarch and just go down all sorts of rabbit holes. And I see you always somewhat refuting them and like this is a psyop this is a distraction um the anunnaki weren't aliens it was all human beings and i relate to that in a in a really big way but it also seems i guess i was assuming you might have been more agnostic even atheist right. i don't know because that's typically so, what you find from those perspectives so i want to yeah. i want to understand uh how you're a 10 on god and then it seems maybe like a five on yeah ghosts and some of the other like how come the Anunnaki can't be alien but angels and demons can exist? We can get into that. We can I can tie that all together right now. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do that right now. So ten for God because of my own personal direct experience with whatever I'm comfortable calling God, and I would say that that is there for a reason. It's it's a it's a term that we've all in one way or another either antithetically or in favor of are like this is the word that we can use to fill in the blank of the nameless the unspeakable thing that we're talking about 
uh, the mystery, I guess you could say, you know, do we go on? Is there something more than this presence here? And is it intelligent? And I got a resounding, you know, answer yes back to me in my own personal experiences. Um, and that was always good enough for me. Not that I'd stopped questioning and stopped searching, but also I got into like deep Buddhist stuff, like from a long, long time ago, like all the ancient books, I was just delving into them. And, uh, after my psychedelic experiences back in the day that just kind of blew my mind apart, I didn't know what to do. So yeah, I found first, it was like Tim Leary and all those guys, of course, that's like the psychedelics 101, you run to those guru types. And then, you know, I started to drift more towards Buddhism and Eastern mysticism, especially what got me, which resonated from my crazy experiences that I couldn't make sense of was this, this tenant of Buddhism, which is basically at the center of it, which is that there is no self and that that's an attachment as well. And that's probably the root of my skepticism when it comes to the way we perceive afterlife, heaven, what God is like, as this like separate creator that's going to hold us and tell us everything's going to be okay. Uh, part, I'll take that. I sure last hope part. so. I sure I'll, hope I, so. You know, I'll take that last part back because that is literally what I was told. But at the same time, it it felt as if I was inseparable from that, and it was I was coming back into the gnosis that I already knew to begin with. And shit, then you find Alan Watts, and then I was like. 18 listening to Alan Watts going, Oh my God, this is exactly what my brain has been saying. Holy shit. Like, and so I get it. They're all connected. We can get into that later. But at the same time, like I got some real wisdom from these guys and they like to leave God out of it for the most part. I like to keep it in because it does seem like there's some sort of experience that we get to have, which is a reassuring love, like an infinite love. And it feels intelligent and it feels conscious. So that's the short answer there. <laughs> is that is that Christianity or are you one of the people that's like, I'm spiritual, not religious kind of deal? So here's the problem. I don't like, I think that statement's so overused. Don't too, put a, don't know put know a label on me, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and that's that. And of course it just ad nauseum. We're all, we, we don't have any original ideas, but at the same time, yeah, I'm kind of more of like a pantheist. Like everything is sentience. Like there's no such thing as outside of sentience. So do you believe in, in pure good and pure evil? Or do you think it, there's just like a relative scale of morality based on culture and circumstance? Man, I mean, I would say it depends on where you're looking at it from. Like if we're all talking about human beings and the the human collective that we are dealing with one another in this three-dimensional time restricted situation that we're in that would be a vastly different answer than if you're trying to figure out what's really going on in reality and i hate to break it to the audience but i don't really think it's necessarily the human perspective that at least we're familiar with it's more god it's just more grandiose i don't know how else to describe it it's like e when i had my well both good well i'm sorry i guess i lost the thread there for a second the, the good, good and evil good and thing. evil yeah the good yeah i think there is um like inherent good and innate good i like really objective do. good 
Yeah, it's hard because this is language, you know, and language is so hard when it comes to like universal truth. But again, if we're talking about the human experience, I think absolutely we should be able to use that kind of scale. And we should be able to say like, this is the epitome of evil. And this is like a, uh, you know, I don't know, an example of something really pure and good. I don't know. Were you, but we can were you use religion those scales. A little bit, tiny bit. Like I've been inside a congregational church a handful of times because my parents thought it was like a, a, a positive thing to do. Mm-hmm. And my dad was never really religious, but he was religious in the sense that he really appreciated the church community that he had grown up experiencing and the friends he had made and just, you know, nostalgia. Let's face it. You get to that age. You're like, well, you know, it wasn't a bad thing. Just that kind of behavior. So we went to church a little bit. But of course, my sister and I were both very like, you know, that t- those typical kids that were just asking too many questions and not taking any of it seriously. <laughs> because to me, I, in a way, it kind of feels like that's the whole point. You know, it's for, for some people, they'll fall for Sky Daddy. Some will not and go way hard the other way. Mm. And some of us will remain, you know, questioning in the middle. <laughs> it's it's funny. I mean, I'm biased from growing up Roman Catholic, which is already fairly strict religion. You're like not allowed to talk. You got to stand and sit and kneel when you're told and everything. Um, yeah. So but but my impression was always that you need strict discipline to get any kid to buy into that flavor of religion at least because no kid seems like they would willingly go through any of that process early on it feels like a very mature adult like i don't know it's it would be just like going right into drinking old fashions and not working your way up <laughs> right. to them a little bit yeah not chugging some cores some silver yeah. bullets <laughs> you, you gotta start with some md 2020 and then get yourself yeah. a, a zima or whatever the hell the equivalent of zima is now i don't know maybe like a friggin uh white claw <laughs> So, but, uh, so, uh, real quick, I tweeted something this morning that relates to this too. I think I tweeted, um, children can't consent to baptism. And I figured right. that was like a nice little twist on typical children consenting conversations that have been going on that I agree with. Of course, I'm against what's going on lately anyway with children, but just to put a little spin on it, it's like, because I know the main audience of that. And I've been getting into fights about sound of freedom and shit like that. Uh, I replied to that one. I think it was my, my only tweet this month so far. So you're oh, welcome. No shit. I don't even think I've seen it yet. I'll but it, but I basically, yeah, basically was just saying that, uh, to like on a fair point at the age that babies are baptized, they also don't consent to like going to bed or eating food or not eating food or <laughs> basically staying in live in general, because, you know, you can't trust the anyone under the age of, I don't know, seven or eight to not kill themselves within four hours of, of not being supervised. So exactly. It, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an odd point to make, especially when people ever say like, we're going to let the kid decide for themselves. If it's, if it's on any topic name, uh, almost anything, I guess maybe profession and, you know, hobbies and stuff, but it's, sure. it's weird to leave it for such a late thing to make, I don't know, some types of decisions, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so why I got to ask too, this is one's a little bit more broad, but why, what, what is it about Twitter? Why does people still use Twitter today? It feels it's like it's just audience. getting your opinion out, right? It's because I, I think, I think audience. it really is the best way to get your opinion out. I, I don't like to agree, like 
promote it by any means other than just to, Hey, come hang out with us. Cause no matter what click you're in, like we're in the truth or conspiracy, alternative history, those kind of groups. So you just find lots of people in those areas and you build massive communities and I don't know what to think about it. You know, you got Elon Musk at the helm of it and I don't trust brain chip guy at all. So yeah, it's an evil entity, but it's everywhere. That That's the thing. You get far enough off track and you, and, and you're looking at all of physical reality as the demon, you know, and it's all bad. So I don't know. We came here to be human at some point. I don't know. It should be okay to use it and build communities there. And I, I don't know. It's the biggest one out there. That's why I still use YouTube all the time. Just because, I don't know, I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm not playing their games. I'm not getting kicked off all the time, you know? I feel like it's important to get to, in an unoffensive way, but like normies. Um, and it's Absolutely. not that like people that, that ever get across this video as a normie because they found it on some big site, but it's that if you post to just Rockfin and Rumble and to private Patreons, that's awesome. And those are the, the hardcore community that ends up supporting a channel and making sure that it lasts for a really long time. But yes. it's also a little bit of preaching to the choir. And I think that where it's really needed is getting it out in front of someone that might be teeter-tottering on the fence. And just there might just be a way that you can describe the same thing and, and give them the same conclusion, but in a rational way that'll sell them and then maybe, you know, they'll they'll buy on and want to look into it a little bit more. So that's the yeah, hope at I least. A hundred percent agree with that, man. Like you kind of made me think about that. Like Twitter's really the only place where I can say I'll say something. And even if I know I'm right about it or I'm like ninety nine percent on something, uh, people will still come at me with very complex arguments sometimes. You know, that's the only I mean, sometimes Instagram. But I feel like Instagram, people just get away with everything they want. They throw out all kinds of AI-generated nonsense about <laughs> ancient history and shit. Like, oh, just everywhere, getting millions of, of likes and follows and just collecting that grift, you know? But uh, Twitter, you get held accountable quite quickly, at least in the groups I'm a part of. Like, you know, I mess around with the the UFO community a lot, and man, like you better know your shit if you're going to like argue with those guys, because they know every detail of every case that's going on. <laughs> they know every detail of every politician that they're sucking up to and they can't wait for them to release all the information. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the only place I've been held accountable really for the most part. I've seen some wild threads on Twitter that went into extreme detail that it's, it just feels like such a weird format to be like, Oh yeah, I found out about this mind blowing research in a 23 long tweet thread. You know what I mean? It just, right. it some feels so like, wrong like, to, to uncover it that way, but that's how it is now. <laughs> well, it's weird too. I recently spoke to Ian Ferguson and he's got the whole Malachian versus Luciferian thing. And what's Malachi? So uh -huh. Mo no Molochian, like kind of given the okay, Molochian. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you know, I wanted to talk to him so badly because for a long, long time I keep just framing things as like old world and new world, and yeah, it's pretty basic. But when you get into it, you can really characterize who belongs to that old world and who belongs to this new world, and why is there confusion in between? And Ian goes into 
mega detail on this these perspectives and calling them Malachian and Luciferian. Luciferian, I can I'm sure you can guess which one that would be between old or new, right? Yeah, honestly, I would love to get your cliff notes on some of that because my understanding. Yeah. I mean, if you had to put it into those two buckets, which are very broad, but Malachian, Malachian, I. Well, like you do it first. I'm curious to hear what what like the, so, the quick version is. Malachian, I relate more to, and this doesn't exclude the. Or, well, he, I won't do his Malachian elusive. I'll do the old versus new. How I've been like kind of thinking about it for a long time. And mm-hmm. this old way, this old world, is nature is rule, nature is law, um, which also means you're completely limited to what nature is providing and you don't find these extremely complex progress or progression uh, uh, events in, in history. Like you have things like the box saga or the old pagan or heathen ways, which are very ritualistic and they stay the same. You know, you look at Aboriginal tribes uh, in places around the world that are still exactly as they've been for thousands of years. Right. Even though they're not associated with Moloch or anything, this is for me, this is still this old world mentality. And I believe that this worldview, this ideology that was with us as humans for a very long time, doesn't mean good or bad, of course, um, carried over into very large, powerful groups in history. And eventually we have this other side to it, this new world, this invasion, really. Um, I like to frame it as like the prodigal son story where the son is against the old way and can't hack it and doesn't agree with it and has all these new points against it and has to take off into the world and leave the home. And we see this in Hollywood. We see this in stories ad nauseum. It's kind of part of the hero's journey or the hero's adventure where it's always eventually a return home. But what we see here is like the train run wild. Like the sun is heading for the, 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 the prodigal son is heading for the literal sun. It's like that ancient Greek story, you know, it's um the new, the Luciferians. It seemed this new world is like, leave it all behind, have no restrictions whatsoever. We are our own gods. And I don't know. I'll stop there for now. We can kind of dissect it for, for more of that, but yeah, that's kind of how I break it down at least. And we can definitely get into more detail with it. Now, now do those, are those the same thing, just the new world and old world version of it? Like is, is Luciferianism mean that that's also nature magic, just like a newer version or does Luciferian also include Christianity in that context? I would include a Christianity. Um, I don't know if Ian does particularly. I might have asked him. I just can't remember right now. But um, I know that I would personally with like old versus new. Yeah, I would definitely put because think about the New Testament. Right. So, I mean, at this point, we're talking Luciferian more so in like the morning star, light bringer, Prometheus philosophical light bringer. Yeah. And we're talking like Christ consciousness, divine spark. Sure. Not necessarily good, though. Not necessarily bad. Probably a lot of good and bad. That's where I definitely agree with Ian, where it's like the Malachians 
rule by sword and shield and the luciferians rule by whispers and sleight of hand and and you well know. and they get someone else to do this the, the sword and shield stuff still happens it's just that true in the a luciferians way. Well, you know i relate that to uh exoteric versus esoteric as well where we used to be ruled exoterically where everything was out in the open but you didn't dare question anything because right. you and, literally get your head chopped off. Now you get your job taken away, which is still just as horrible. It's just a different kind of thing, you know? It's the same feeling, I'd argue, deep down in the reptilian brain. That same fear that you'd get, uh, like get like losing your job or feeling like you're about to lose your job is probably similar to getting stricken from the village where you're going to lose your connection to food and water and exactly. shelter. And yeah. It, it triggered yeah. something deep down in there, and I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that I guess my not hearing the Malachian Luciferian dichotomy directly like that before, but I usually have really easy ways to kind of put things into like those two buckets, and it's really yeah. just when did Rome take over? <laughs> when did Rome <laughs> suppress, um, you know, like the the Canaanite slash Phoenician religion, like the yes. the fall of Carthage, and then every other the end of the Punic Wars. I really do feel because that was the transition, as you said, out in the open. So we're talking state-sponsored occultism, but it wasn't occultism because it wasn't hidden at that point. It was right. just nature magic and everything that under the sun that people think is esoteric now. That was something that you were almost required to do by law. Like you'd get a summons. It's like, go do this occult thing, you know, go do this ritual, bring your right. offering to the temple. And then when Rome took over, they just kind of forced all of that stuff underground. And then in my my opinion, and just oversimplifying things, but it starts turning into this monotheistic version of what you'd call like a Luciferian uh, or, you know, th this new like Abramatic religions. I think it was like a convenience thing. It was like, we're tired of all these different conflicts. We got to keep track of all these different gods. And you came from the East side and that guy came from the West side and you both had different versions on who the death God was. So then when you guys come to this third city, you're fighting because we've got our own death God. And it was like, how about this one God? And they're like, Whoa, what do you mean? One God? It's like, just, just hear me out guys. You know, at the, at the conference table, it's like, one god there's no more fighting we could just say that yeah yeah yeah. wherever you're gonna streamline from. the whole process yeah, exactly the synergy <laughs> just think of it yeah, but i man. feel like that's to me that's the the line in the sand if i had to put one out that's probably like it all blends together i'm not saying that monotheism relates to luciferianism but they definitely were holding yeah. hands or looking at each other on the the highway as they were like maintaining speed there's no such thing as Luciferianism without monotheism, in my opinion. I think it does it doesn't work that well. You know, like uh, it, uh well, the only reason maybe because Prometheus well, I mean, is still if we're, if part we're using of a that pantheon. term. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I said Prometheus is still part of a That's, pantheon, just like Lucifer kind of was. Right. Venus. You could still call it like a Promethean thing as well. It's very it's still the same thing, you know. I would say it's pretty close anyway. So that that's interesting, and uh, I honestly have no information on Box Saga at all. It's come up on a bunch of podcasts where I go, "Oh yeah, no," but like I have no right. idea what anyone we're talking about. So if it's if you had to like, you know, someone was passing by, or you got stuck in an elevator for a few floors, okay, and they were like, "Bro, sick Box Saga shirt. What's that all about?" You know what I mean? I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear your pitch on why the Box Saga is worthy of looking into. 
more so than watching like 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> well, I've never seen 90, Fia- 90 Day Fiance. Well, so fill, I, fill in the blank, whatever you yeah, got to fill in the blank. Can't with. speak to its uh, valor. Uh, the the uh, Marvel invasion or whatever. So if I was just going to bring up box talking to someone, man. It's so weird because us, we, you know, all of us who live in this alternative world where we're very open to what might have happened differently than what the history books say we've all like arbitrarily and kind of subconsciously planted a lot of flags over the years um as you get into this stuff you see all those big main conspiracies about history and it's easy to kind of just go well something happened not as they're telling us and it all seems to point to this And whether you're religious or not, many of us do come to this like satanic or Luciferian kind of idea about like our past and everything because of Babylon and the occult and this and that. But the box saga basically puts it all on its like just throws it all into chaos because it basically it's like the. Ah oh, man. Okay. Let me start over. Cause see, I'm already, lo- I've already lost the guy in the elevator. He's already pried the doors open. He's like hitting the, the button. <laughs> okay. So here, I'll just do it. How it hit me. Like Atlantis in this root language phonetically means all land ice. And that hit me like a ton of bricks just because of all the other areas of alternative history that have gained a lot of speed around like the younger Dryas and things like that. And we're all looking for Atlantis. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I would say the language, the root language that is purported in the box saga is the most fascinating part about it because it's like mathematical. It's like a fractal. It's like Mandelbrot set where the sounds and the symbols of the alphabet, they go around in rings. And every time you go around, the story gets more complex and the sounds get put together more. And slowly but surely you have what is today known as the old Swedish Finnish language, which is still spoken by about 2,000 people in southern Finland right now, which is actually something I only learned recently which is great. I'll get into that later. But so basically it's a story from one family passed down for generations claiming to be the oldest story in the world coming from the original paradise time of the planet before everything else happened and threw threw us into chaos. And it's pretty fascinating because when you put that language to it, and all the symbols and what they connect to, it's so unreal. And especially when you have people in those countries, and it takes place in Finland, and when you have Scandinavian people confirming that the language aligns with their history, it's just nuts. And it's so deep. It is hard to hook anybody on a 10-minute or a 5-minute thing, you know? It's very, very complex. But basically, to sum it up, it would be a... Oh man, it's like the all the missing puzzle pieces to all of our half-ass, not even half-ass, our half-finished alternative theories about history. Do you think that this might actually be the oldest story ever told compared to all the other ancient texts? When it comes to like Sumer and things like that, 
Oh, yeah, I, I do. And it relates so closely to the Eddas and other tales. And that's what my my work has been ever since getting my mind blown by the Bach saga and learning so much about it has been looking into other areas of history to try to confirm. And I'm not I'm by far not alone. Anybody that gets their mind blown by this ends up on this path where they're like looking through other cultures and history and trying to confirm what is said in the box saga and how these things could have come to be. And so that's why I got into this whole ancient alien or ancient thing, you know, where I'm kind of going back on my childhood love of sci-fi and aliens, especially in the ancient past. Sukalos was my friggin' hero, man. But you're gonna have so you have to tell me who Sukalos was because I wasn't. Oh, Giorgio Sukalos on on Ancient Aliens. You know the oh okay yeah the the meme yeah, guy I, the meme guy. I loved that show, and I I you know even though I thought it was puffy and and not really serious, I still took the premises seriously. I took uh, Chariots of the Gods seriously, and and uh, Zachariah Sitchin. I have all of his books collecting <laughs> dust out there. You know where uh, was uh, Zachariah Sitchin uh, one to ten what like how accurate he was correct six really that surprises me so not so on there's the biggest a, points <laughs> there there's a better chance that we are alien slaves mining resources than ghosts exist Oh man, yeah. I mean, I guess I'd have to put those guys right in the same boat because they're deeper stories. Okay. You know, okay. the Anunnaki is fascinating because there are stories about them that feel like you're absolutely talking about people that aren't used to physical bodies. You know, they created, they brought the Ajiji with them to work as slaves. The Ajiji rebelled, and then they created us. Um, and the purpose of creating us was because the work was too toilsome for them. And that's the Sumerian text. That's like literally the story is that, but I'm tired. Like basically <laughs> sounds like the elites, doesn't it? Sounds like the people in Wally, -E, the Disney movie that can't even like walk anymore because they're just like completely, uh, they don't even use their bodies anymore or something like that. But also it could mean like spirit coming into flesh right i mean it it's interesting how it is described that way but i still go against it and call them human because in another sense these are the gods these are the people that were uh quote unquote enlightened or using those uh higher minded uh frequencies or higher minded um sciences occult sciences i would say um and those yeah, they, I, I believe they were considered gods, but that is a word that has changed meanings over time. We brought it up in the beginning and how I'm comfortable using it for my spiritual feelings deep, deep within. But at the same time, uh, the Bach Saga teaches us that God was pronounced gut and it literally meant, or that's supposedly why we call this the gut, because the gut is where, you know, go with your gut. That's intuition. That's that inner gnosis. And that's what these people that are talked about as gods were connected to. And you can read about it in the Druidic texts, or you can read about it in Japan, in India, 
all over the world, these were the shamans, the medicine men and women. These were the people, the, the gods that came and understood the stars, the star people, things like that. I don't know where we started here. I got way off track. And I well, we, were doing the, we were doing the elevator pitch, but I think the guy might have gotten off on his floor a little he while ago. He opened the doors and then <laughs> waited for the elevator to go again and then cut his own head off. He he got crushed and was like, this is actually... <laughs> no, I, um, you were, you were... That's a great overview of Box Saga and one of the reasons <laughs> yeah. why you find it fascinating. I'm curious, being a complete ignoramus about this particular topic, Yes. Is it conventional to think that the box saga then in turn influenced all the other like like Phoenician and Sumerian and Canaanite? Is it just one big thread that started with box saga then and then wove its way through and mutated? That's it. That's what they're claiming. You know, I can't say yes or no as much as I want to believe. Right. I'm like you said, I'm pretty skeptical. And as much as this feels true there's a lot of missing pieces still but there's so many interesting parts of the box saga they have three destruction three destructions the first destruction is called altlantis where all the land becomes ice they claim in the story that the earth in paradise time was not tilted on its axis and that helsinki was at the very north pole and that was hell it wasn't helsinki back then it was called hell <laughs> So in the center of hell were these islands and this place was called Udenma and it was named after Uden, which was the sun. So we're talking about the first sun worship as well. If it's true that it took place, the, the timelines are ridiculous. I mean, we're talking millions of years. So talking this is ancient we, aliens territory, is it not? This is way. This is beyond. This is uh, Bruce Fenton. Graham, is this no, beyond Graham Hancock? Tight, uh, you know, shit like way back in like, oh man, I don't even know what age that is. But are we um, talking like get what's the? I, I always get the name like G Gibliclio Tempe or Gobekli <laughs> Tepe is about nine thousand BC. Okay, so we're talking way like this dwarf. Way, way, that. way. We're okay. talking. So if it's true then it yes it absolutely is the precursor to everything else and we're seeing like you know nothing new under the sun we're seeing all the same symbolism in other religions uh that are way separated from and i you know it's easy to go oh they're hiding it and they're flipping it and they're inverting it but it's way more of a game of telephone i think than than anything else um because it's just so interesting how the traditions of the box saga and they're just telling their story, whether it's completely true or not. This is what Eeyore Bach learned from his family and they learned from their predecessors in the family. Like that's been, I understand that part is to be true. Uh, whether it's an actual history is, is another thing, right? But they've been passing this down the whole time, taking it seriously. So it's really interesting. Is it the family that claims it goes back millions of years or is there Absolutely. some other source? Yeah. The okay. other sources have come from Eeyore coming out publicly in mm. 1987, which is this part sound, of the it story. sounds fringe. This sounds like fringe, it's super fringe history. Okay, it absolutely is fringe. But at the same time, what I learned recently is that that 2,000 or so people in southern Finland are speaking that root language still. Mm -hmm. What I had originally thought, because I knew that to begin with, 
my friend Yoke from Sweden had told me that years ago that, yeah, they still speak it in some parts of Southern Helsinki and stuff like that. I'm like, Oh my God, that's amazing. My, the whole time I'm thinking, and they don't even know it. That's crazy. I was wrong. I never asked. I never clarified because I just thought I knew. Recently, I had an interview with a guy that had had his mind blown way back when and became very good friends with all these guys over in Scandinavia. Uh, was at the dig site. We'll get into the temple. Um, but uh, he made all the documentaries on YouTube about Box Saga. So I got to have him on. Well, he had a ton of information to give me, including that those people in southern Finland, they know exactly what they're speaking. And he was telling me that this is the tradition in Europe of the innkeepers. These are those old heathen families that still know about it. They were never vocal about it. They were told that they could exist in public. I'll get to the reason why, but they were told that they could exist in public. Just don't be loud about anything. Eeyore, on the other hand, released this information to the public on purpose when his mother died, being the very last buck. So the second destruction. So first, okay, we have paradise. <laughs> paradise time. The planet is upright. There's no snow anywhere, supposedly. The whole planet is tropical and all of us are black. That's what about Hel I thought Helsinki was hell, so that's just the one place on Earth that's not paradise is Helsinki. No, that place is also paradise. Like this whole the whole planet during paradise okay. time was paradise. It was tropical, and we were like all of us were dark skinned. The sun had a different relationship with the Earth because of the the no tilt of the axis. This feels and relative because some people consider Florida paradise, and sometimes they hate it. <laughs> I hate humidity, man. I'm dying right now. <laughs> I'm in Massachusetts of all places. But anyway, um, so this ice time comes along and they claim in the story that this was a galactic thing. And that, you know, that gets very mythological at that point, of course. But they claim it was a galactic tilt. It wasn't even just the Earth tilting. And when the Earth tilt, Helsinki was no longer at the top of the planet. Uh, ice covered the entire northern hemisphere. And blocked everybody out from all. So, oh yeah, one thing I left out, I'm sorry. This is me just telling this for the thousandth time. Um, the whole planet in paradise time was dotted with these ring lands, these concentric ring society set up all over the planet. And we of course know that from the Atlantis story, supposedly it had concentric rings. The box saga explains these concentric rings as caste systems and goes into their whole societal structure around that. Um, but it's interesting to note that that's, that these locations were everywhere. And yet we, and of course now we have treasure hunters and Atlantis hunters looking at multiple different locations, possibly having some of these characteristics and, and debating with one another when in reality, who knows, maybe it could be all of those locations that are plausible as part of this kingdom, you know, especially if we're talking about a planetary kingdom, but so this brings us to the ice time where they're completely cut off in the north from everybody in the south. Everybody that doesn't get affected by this ice is totally cut off from what they consider to be the all father at the top of the planet. Because in the mythology, the human race starts in Helsinki in a ditch, which underneath this ditch is a swirling vortex underneath the pole of the planet. This vortex going all the way through to the bottom of the planet, which 
reflects a lot of toroidal uh perspectives on the globe flat earth kind of thing which is very interesting it was a hot Um, topic they they called this the whole e in their root language the holy and this is also why eventually this area of udinma or hell became known as the holy land (laughs) and it's h-o-l-i because the small i was the e and the e was the most important thing in the alphabet it was the first the top of the alphabet right above it and it stood for the pole of the earth which i believe they they're talking about the centrifugal energy within the earth as this as this pole and the north the northern star above the planet the small dot above the eye is the north star and the the yeah the shaft is the shaft of the earth also it relates more directly to the human being and the male structure as the penis and what comes out of the penis <laughs> well hey, because, this is a this is yeah, a christian show this is a kid show. <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> and i'm well, curious is, is the box saga historically relevant regardless of how old it is or or is it like a take it all or take nothing like is 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 there already some kind of you know relevant um credit that you know your typical academic would say oh no the box saga it actually does prove all of this historical stuff or it's like, it's either completely no. BS or it's completely true. Um, I would say that, I mean, in the sense, like, can you prove any of it other than linguistically, like outside well, of a, a conversation? Not really. I mean, well, my, my best example is that when someone's like that, my story is the oldest story. Right. A lot of secret mystery schools do that. The, the modern oh, ones, yeah. like the Freemasons, are the most guilty, I think, of saying like, well, we go back to the Templars. And then some well, de- people like to trace the Templars back to the Egyptians and you got these all rights of Memphis and Miserium and stuff. But yeah. it, it's almost like you're debating whoever is the oldest is the most right. So I, I kind of wonder, <laughs> in, a, in a general question, let's say Box Saga, yeah, it goes back a million years. Does yeah. that mean that that's more accurate and loading that question up with even more does that mean that like the older humanity is the more they knew about god and I that so. as we go forward we just there. lose i knew you were fucking going there man and i love it because i do believe that i believe just as the human being is closer to source when he's a baby and we probably know it that's probably why we cry half the time for no reason because we have all this knowledge and we can't express it or something probably left over from our last reincarnate like our incarnation who knows maybe you go through the light you come out in the fucking womb you never get a chance to relive anything and it's just constant reliving of things in your mother's womb oh but (laughs) what was the question again okay yeah god yeah so i really do think same i think it's fractal man i think as above so below that as a species, as this collective consciousness, if you will, further back in time, I believe we were closer to the source of things, but maybe not, you know? I mean, because I'm sure there's a lot of Christians out there that feel that way when they read about Genesis. You know, they skip over the part where there's like kingdoms all over the world already. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Do you, uh, I guess, based on your definition of God as you had it before, does does your version of God... Uh, could he make rules that can be broken or is it like an infallible, like is your God physics and just the laws of 
of reality or can you like do something that offends him and now he's mad because he did something he didn't want you to do i feel like there's a paradox there but we don't really, really we're missing pieces still like um i feel like there's something to do with like i mean this is kind of dark but like the idea of the elites going against god right and wanting to like take down creation itself and stuff like that i mean shit that's so prominent in all of our stories that you want you got to wonder if there is some sort of like trojan horse that god doesn't understand or expect but from my experiences with god and i'm just being really loose with that term now but i felt as though i was like momentarily having that perspective or I understood the story of God was every one of our stories, like our little individual human self coming into existence and dealing with this perplexing situation was a microcosm to what God is going through as well. And he is also go or he, <laughs> it, whatever we God, I, whatever that is, is going through self-discovery. Regardless. It's a he. I think I think they proved that in like 1200. Yeah, it's oh, a he. totally, totally. Well, I mean, honestly, I think there's reason to probably argue on both sides of that when it comes to like what those words mean, like male and female energies and what they represent, what's creation and what's doing something with create, you know, like the demiurge in Gnosticism is really what does anything. Sophia is like the thought behind the action. You know, she's superposition. And I, you know, that's kind of what I think we are. I think we so is, is Bog Saga pretty uh um compatible with Gnosticism in general then? Eh. No. So there's no, no? spirituality whatsoever in Bog Saga, um, at least told through the story. And that's where I went to the so my original experiences in my own head just put discernment above everything else i guess and when the box saga starts talking about words and phrases and words that exist today that for them are like phrases that today means something mystical but back then it's like you know very much like astro theology takes the woo woo out of what astrology or the zodiac looks like right it's like oh no it's like when you see the bull put the reins on it and fucking plow the fields and shit you know, it's like instruction manuals for human beings to live human the, lives. The farmer's almanac. Right. So there's a um, there's a lot of, I'm, you know, it's hard to grab examples. Uh, I'm not good with <laughs> literally retaining a lot of the language. I'm still learning it a lot of the time. But um, there's a lot of interesting examples. Like they, they break down the word military, infantry, infantry. So that whole process, those words related in the box saga to their um, societal process of making children and producing more love and more people in the world. Whereas we use those words now, they're somehow still existent, right? Uh, as words to describe death and war and things like that. The tree uh, is really important in the box saga, the family tree. Every family has their tree. And in paradise time, it was the ash tree. And in ice time it was the oak tree or something like that and you all they planted their ashes under the under their family tree and things like that so when you think about infant tree they're literally talking about creating a tree of infants like a family tree 
it's really interesting when you hear them break it down in like Swedish and Finnish too. It's nuts. It sounds, I mean, the reason why I asked before if this was a source for like the Phoenicians, because all this is very yes. phonetic when you're Absolutely. talking about like infantry Absolutely. and they were the first people in real recorded history that I could, that I, I started to look into and if they, they exist or do they definitely exist? Phoenicians. I mean, no, no, God. not Phoenicians. the, the, the box saga the people. Yeah. So after the box saga, when I started the process of trying to go through other parts of history to confirm what they were saying, the Phoenicians was, were where I started. Um, and when I say like, I was kind of, taking the woo woo out of things. It's like they talk about, like I said, God meant intuition and gut and stuff like that. Everything gets, gets the piss taken out of it when you're, when you get to the box saga. And I'll, uh, I know a number of people in Scandinavia who got very close to the saga who understood the languages. That's a key from what I hear. If you have Finnish and you have Swedish in your head, the root language clicks in a way that it doesn't for us Westerners. And when it does, a couple of people have taken their own lives, supposedly, because it's that depressing. Wow. Because There's... it literally <laughs> takes the piss out of all of our... It doesn't... So for me, what I've come around to, it doesn't take away this... Nothing does ever take away the deep mystical questions and mystery and experiences we've had in our own perspective, and our own consciousness. But that doesn't mean that all the words and stories that we've been handed are true representations of that and i think it's quite the opposite it's that this truth inside of us is inevitable so they have to take it away from us in that way so i've destroyed fairies pixies elves gnomes gremlins <laughs> uh angels all these words have human stories connected to them at their why do you hate magic birth. andy what do you I don't, magic? I don't, I just don't think it's represented the right. It's like, it's like we watch Harry Potter and go, yeah. So when do I get my light sword? And it's like, come on. Haven't you been paying attention? Nothing is on its nose. Nothing is as it seems. And this is literally Jesus's words for Christ's sake, telling everybody like I speak in parables because they don't understand or, so, you know, I can't, I'm butchering his words, but you know, he basically says that, you know, yours are better. Yours are way more eloquent. I think you will not understand this if you take it literally, you know, it, and that's one of our biggest problems. I think that we've, they've obfuscated our own real human ingenuity and our real human spirit by twirling them up in this fake history, fake spirituality. And they've been doing it for a fucking long time. And God's all played out because the Luciferians are coming in with their atheism. So now they got to play a new card to swipe us all up in the same way the gods did. They're just changing the gods into aliens. And now Gary Nolan is like, you know, and he, if for anybody who doesn't know, he's a voice that everyone in UFO Twitter salivates for. And is totally on, I'm saying most of UFO Twitter, is totally on board with what Nolan says. They hang on every word. And now what are his he, credentials? Ex-military? I can't I, No, he's a no. doctor. So he's a, he's, I, he's a physicist, <laughs> I believe. Like a, or a podiatrist. <laughs> he's someone important. I don't know. Anyway, he's now globbing onto ancient aliens and, well, the gods must have been alien. It's like, dude, so you're, are you pretending that we believe that you've never seen ancient aliens and you're acting like this is some novel thing. You're like, you know, 
I really think, dude, there's a whole contingency in your community <laughs> that already thinks this way. You know, stop being a fucking. <sighs> Sorry about that. Why? I'm curious. <laughs> why does why does uh, UFO Twitter work you up so much? Because I was so passionate about it for so long. You know, really? it's kind of okay. like the general thesis. It's like any conspiracy theorist yelling at his normie friends that he really cares about. You know, it's like that's a group of people that I was part of hook, line and sinker on every bit of it for really? my whole thinking life about these topics up until two and a half years ago when I learned about the box saga and started just going, well, OK, what if just hypothetically, let me put that there and see what it does to everything else. And of course, I started with like ancient alien stuff and I went to the Anunnaki and that's when I started talking to Freddie Silva, getting a conversation going with him. And I've had him on the show a few times and he really helped me with this without really knowing because he was doing his own research, tracing the Anunnaki or connecting the Anunnaki with the uh, Tuatha Dé Danann in Ireland, the original fair folk, the original fairies connecting all of these together over did you ever believe in fairies too did you start from a position of believing in fairies so here's my problem with that i was very psychedelic so it was kind of like a blankment a blanket statement like you know terrence mckenna in my head just going who knows man the clockwork gnomes or maybe all of it is the mtls yeah (laughs) if you say it it's real you know that whole thing so for a while sure i was open-minded to it um, and again, I still think that they me- they mock and they mimic uh, these internal archetypes that we all have access to in these deeper places in consciousness. They bring those out into these stories over and over and over again. And I'm not even saying it's nefarious. It could be synchronicity. It could just be for other reasons, but it's just a coincidence, man. Or it could be just a coincidence. But one way or the other, our fairy tales and our mythology used to be history. Lawrence Gardner picks up on that in his books, not just Tolkien, but many anthropologists from a long time ago told a very different story about word of mouth, ancient stories being handed down tribally, culturally. These weren't originally myths. These were ways to remember the oldest stories. So I'm curious before, before you, I guess, uh, left UFO Twitter and yeah. became, I guess what you would consider more rational now, I'm not throwing any judgments before and after, but I'm curious Occam's razor. <laughs> cause you, Oh God, let's talk about Occam's razor in a second, actually. But it sounds like you went from lukewarm. I'm asking too many questions. So religion maybe not, is not my thing into oh yeah i'm all in on aliens to then being like oh man i feel like an idiot because i believed in aliens it feels like a a pendulum a little bit swinging from like one end of the spectrum to the next in some way i kind of view it as more of a spiral okay okay yeah Uh, yeah yeah. well religion that's the thing because of psychedelics and my really unquestionable experiences that my brain suppressed Mm -hmm. and i only remember i have to have the i came out of i went in an atheist came out having to have faith that that really just happened to me because i can't remember all the details that make it so fucking important you know it was this was a psychedelic experience you're talking about psychedelic experience and i was with my friends who had the same mushrooms you know and they tripped just as hard they didn't come out of it like me 
And uh, I was carrying a friggin' notepad around in my pocket like a psychopath for years, just taking notes when thoughts would come because it was like my brain was slowly unraveling what happened over those 12 hours or whatever uh, slowly you, over the next couple of years. It was crazy. Could you ever be convinced that that was 100% psychomimetic and not spiritual or religious at all? Or are you like beyond convinced that it was proof oh, of re- like spirit? Oh, I got better than that. There's no difference in my mind. <laughs> I quote it way too many times, but I love Dumbledore's quote at the end of Harry Potter. I don't know if you've seen that or read those, but when they're in the train station at the end, when Harry's kind of dead, and he's talking to Dumbledore, who's already dead. Spoiler alert. Jeez. Spoiler alert. He's a kid's uh, show, man. Come on. Anyway, uh, Harry asked Dumbledore, is this real or is this all in my head? And Dumbledore said, of course it's all in your head. But what makes you think that that doesn't make it real? And uh, is, I mean, that, there's, there's that's no a whole debate as, on solipsism, right? That's the well, brain right, of the bat theory. Solipsis is bad, though. Solipsis is psychosis, basically. Solipsis is saying that. I've made all of you up. And I think that's very false. I think there's a reason for it because I think our perception colors everything around us. And so in that sense, our perception is a creation. So perhaps in a way that's a confusion of the mind or something like that. But this is more of like a collective solipsis. This is ancient Buddhism saying there's no self and all there is is being the verb, like literally no I. You know, that's what new age leaves out when they steal so much from Buddhism. They don't like to talk about that because they want people to believe that they're all their own gods and that they're going to be superheroes when they leave their meat flesh. Or return to planets too, right? Right, right. So the thing is, is I, I don't know too much about alchemy, but I know the basic principles. And to me, this is an alchemical experience. We are spirit and, or we're like, you know, energy and matter, these two polar opposites, at least how we perceive it you know so to venture out of the woo woo uh, a sure. little bit i want to hear about some of your latest uh twitter um sort of outbreaks and and rants oh and the latest one i guess is sound of freedom right with jim jim cavaziel or however you pronounce Cavazil, his name yeah, jesus so uh what's what's your opinion on the whole thing on the, on the movie tim ballard the guy behind the movie uh yeah. like the the heavy opinions that you see uh, from people on it. Like what's your whole take? My whole take is that I think for some people that movie will definitely wake them up to things that we've wanted to wake them up to for a long time. Unfortunately, when a massive medium is doing it, not us, it's a little just automatically worrisome, you know, just like any other form of like, them suddenly co-opting a conspiracy that we've been talking about for years and bringing it to the public in the way they want to. Right. And I say they, right. But of course, many, many people in the alternative communities will say they aren't, they, those are us. That's Tim Ballard and Caviezel. And it's like, why, why are they? Oh, because Caviezel's not in Hollywood anymore. Have you seen the departed? Like Gustafson had to like go to jail before he could like sneak into fucking uh, what's his name's uh, gang. Did you see that? You know, like Leonardo DiCaprio's character is going to become a state trooper. And they're like, you're not, a, you're not going to be a state trooper. If you want anything to do with this, you'll sneak it. You know, you'll be a rat 
a mole in his operation, but you, we've got to put you through the system first. We can't just have you walk out of here and waltz into there. So it's like, was that, was sure. that a Whitey Bulger movie? No, I don't, well, maybe kind of, it was very Irish mafia, but it took place right in Boston. They, t- they mentioned a bunch of small towns right around me. It was really weird. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's like this, it feels like, okay, you send some of these Hollywood guys into the alternative community as heroes like yeah we're gonna tell the story we're gonna finally do it we're gonna bring it to the people you know and i know maybe i'm a little blackpilled i hate that fucking term it feels what like is black what does blackpilled mean i think it's just everything's a psyop or you don't trust anything maybe i don't so know like Tartary? Different... is this like mud flood area blackpilled yeah no i think blackpilled is just like you know people call you blackpilled when you don't trust any conspiracy they're talking about <laughs> <laughs> okay okay source, you know they every just, everything came from the cia on. ultimately right and it's like well fine but if we all come to that conclusion at one point or another for good reasons many 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 times and then we keep playing fine we can keep playing but just admit that we're entertaining ourselves if we already get got to that point couldn't you make you know, the like, same argument oh, yeah, on dumbledore on. like if you're just entertaining yourself what's the difference <laughs> Well, that's true too. That's the thing. Like I'm very comfortable saying they and the elites and our enemies and things, this, like all that, but I'm also comfortable at the same time contemplating if we're all one and we're all just emanations of God or whatever that means. Like, so if that's the case, I feel like, yeah, it makes sense. What I said before with God going through his own awakening or understanding or coming to into existence and dealing with self-reflection perhaps it's utterly confusing and there's probably an ego involved you know and maybe the ego is that massive control network we see that doesn't ever seem to die like you cut three heads off and eight grow back it never seems to be just the Rothschilds like you can suss out all the history you want there's always elements missing and there's always just like random chance things. So oh, that, that reminds me too. today's episode really quick is sponsored by the Rothschilds directly. Excellent. Shout out to the Rothschilds. Thank you so much for funding this show. So, yeah, so cooperative. One. Last week's was Pfizer. Pfizer was last week. And then the week before that was HelloFresh. Jeez, three episodes, man. That's it. And you already got these sponsors. <laughs> this is incredible. The Rothschilds recently, uh, well, not recently, but one of them was on the board of directors of that uh, Sequest or whatever it was called. That whole situation. Right, but was that, see, see there's, um, a, there's, a, there's a fucking large, it's like a red herring, man. There's a, there's a couple <laughs> different Rothschilds, and one of them claims to not have any lineage with the historical banking family Rothschilds. Then one, and that guy, I don't know if he's the one that had anything to do with that, but he's like one of these eco green guys. Uh, I wish I could remember his first name. I don't care enough. Yeah, I, to think do I'm, it. I think it's the one I'm thinking of. But he's yeah. the one that's like, no, no, I'm like, he's not related to like the like Lord Baron Rothschild and right. the, the banking. He just so dynasty happens to be and... on board with the green shit. Ryan just has the same name. It's just a bunch of coincidences, man. Come yeah, on. especially the name thing. I'm sorry. Like now where I'm at when it comes to names and history, and I'm sure many other researchers have come to this conclusion, there ain't no coincidences with that. What about two John Browns, though? Is Are they like absolutely related at some point if you just yeah. rewind history back? Absolutely. I think so. But I mean, who knows? <laughs> that, that's a weird one, too, because a lot of those names come from like – 
different things. A lot of names come from professions and stuff like that too. So who knows? Yeah. Schumacher and all all kinds of them. They're all German, all European. Where's your last name come from? Did you ever look it up? Rouse. Rouse. I come the name originally comes from the Rus Vikings. Uh, But after that, it goes into France. It goes into Germany and different like the, and that's a split the wording, the pronunciation and the meaning uh, branches out but eventually it, it's similar to arouse <laughs> oh sweet man yeah so i get everybody's attention it was gonna turn into that but all right let's uh let's let's we are talking box saga and actually you don't even know those parts of it so <laughs> i don't know that's honestly it's one that i have to get into i've just recently started coming out of my american shell and learning more about history and europe and you know i didn't i didn't care for the longest time because what's greater than the country of america you don't right. really need to know much outside of America and apple pie and McDonald's. So Absolutely. it's not, it wasn't that big of a deal for the longest time. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I'm glad I'm actually really glad you mentioned project Monarch because uh, <laughs> we're, we're coming up on an hour and a half. So we'll wrap this up in the next like 15 minutes or so, but I, I wanted to, go, so MK ultra, I'm just going to say true. That's like my number 11, number 10, 11, because it is so well documented and, it just like let's not even debate that. Where are you at on Project Monarch? Well, couldn't we say that Project Monarch is like an umbrella almost? I don't like, what's your know. What, if we could uh, how would say you that. describe Project Monarch? Project Monarch is the rumored extension of MK Ultra. That, as far right. as I'm aware, there's no official documentation that Monarch ever actually existed. Most right, of the exactly. scientists that are claimed with it, there's no evidence that they absolutely were ever in the United States. Um, and then there's all kinds of claims that Monarch maybe happened in in Chile at like um, Colonial Dignidad, you know, Dignity mm-hmm. Colony. There's there's lots of ones that it's under the Denver International Airport. There's right. some that were under military bases. Yeah. So I think okay. that Project Monarch is very much, man. Let's just get a little bit controversial here, okay? Okay. So, I I absolutely man, this is like, it's the worst preface to, to ever drop somewhere, but like, I absolutely do not believe in the veracity of the protocols of the elders of the Z word. Um, I don't oh. think that that necessarily was was I think it was uh, attributed to a certain number of people to make them a scapegoat, but the contents of what was written in that work that was attributed to those people is mind blowing because it was almost like someone found the game winning playbook from, you know, like the super bowl, the winning, like all the winning plays years later and was like, Oh wow. Like they, like they actually planned every move and it Mm. worked. What a great idea. So I feel like there's truth to it, but it gets baked up in so much hogwash and crap and, not to mention the Dulles brothers got their entire names staked on disproving that particular document. But I look at Monarch as the same way. So Project Monarch is kind of like the protocols. It's like this stupid woo-woo word that if you bring it up, you get flagged and you get put into this box. But clearly the things that are listed and like how they work seem like they're all very real, very accurate. So that's so. why I was saying an umbrella because I feel like MK Ultra was always kind of under a broad plan 
just like you're describing, you know, in the protocols, perhaps, you know, or isn't there something that the UN has that kind of uh, mimics the plans going on to? Yeah, anyone that has like a new world ordery sort of right. thing. Yeah, usually, yeah. usually leads in that same direction. Those things. Um, so, yeah, I call it kind of an umbrella because it's always going on. And that's kind of what they describe in Monarch is that it's an extension or a continuation off the books and this and that. I don't think anything's off the books. I just don't think we ever get to see the books. FOIA, <laughs> would they think we're going to give them our secrets because they ask and they won in court? That's hilarious. All right. We got to hire some people. Let's write some stories. <laughs> Oops. A big blurry uh, thing hit that side of the building that had all the information you wanted. <laughs> and it might have been a plane, whatever. Screw hey, Frank, you. Frank, listen, <laughs> we got a we got a great line of that whole new age angle. We're working into the alien stuff. OK, <laughs> you got to go study this dude, Monroe. He's working on some crazy mind shit. We got to do this whole documented thing on it for sure. Years Colonel later, Monroe, yeah. dump that shit out into the public. <laughs> Just as psychedelics are ramping up legally again. I'm curious too, if you ever gotten into NLP at all, it's, it sounds like something that you might, you might find What's interesting. That? NLP. NLP. So it's, it's another one of these woo woo things. It stands for neuro linguistic programming. Um, oh, as opposed oh. to natural language processing, which is like the computer version of NLP, but um, I don't know so much about it honestly. But if if it has anything to do with them programming our language or programming us well, through language, that that's yeah. exactly it, man. And and anyone that ends up getting fascinated with like the phonetic roots and getting into etymology and breaking things down, especially when you like when you mention infantry and you're like, that's an infantry. It reminds me of like Jordan Maxwell doing the yep. whole currency speech and maritime law. Yeah. Stuff. When I found Box Saga, man, it rang Jordan Maxwell big time, right. but just as if Jordan Maxwell was this small example, like that lady that made, I can't, forgive me. I can't remember her name, but she's been on a lot of podcasts. She kind of starts with the, you know, you wake up in the morning, you wake up in the morning, you know, she goes through those words and how they have these <laughs> negative connotations. And that's like playing with the puns. That's like brushing the surface. And then you get deep into it and it's like, holy fuck, this is, you ask any entomologist, that's how languages definitely were formed. It's unreal. There's no mistaking it. Dude, I, I highly recommend after we're done here to look up the early works of uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder in NLP. Okay. One of them is called like the, the frog into the prince or something like that. You'll find it. But it is it is right up your alley, I think, and it and it completely talks about not just how words are phrased, but how they're directed at us, so that it has the most impact. But I almost I always read those works as sort of like Taekwondo. It's like if you understand it, then you can kind of redirect it and use it as self defense a little bit, you know, until your mom picks you yeah. up and go and get McDonald's. Absolutely, man. Totally well, uh, man, we could keep going for at least another hour, but I'm going to I'm going to keep these a little bit uh, tight just so Hell that yeah. uh, we can we can always leave a little bit of room for next time. You know what I mean? Always got to leave. Yeah. Some room for dessert. I'll have to continue the box saga a little bit because I was just getting to some juicy stuff where the Catholic Church starts getting involved in the story. And it gets I, really I would weird. love to because I, I want to essentially also take what I've been learning about um, the ball cycle and see how that might link with the box saga because i know the ball cycle also has a number of disasters and resurrection and it kind mm. of has been told as the next iteration of this holy trinity that just keeps repeating over and over 
So Question we're, we're absolutely going to do that. Yeah. Where where was Ball first worshipped that we know of? Uh, is this like a like a trivia that you know the answer to, or? <laughs> Uh, so my, I guess my understanding, it would be ball Hammond, but it really just meant like Lord Hammond. And that would have oh. been maybe Babylonia that made its way into Canaan or Tyre or something. Okay. Cause I've found ball worship in the Caucasus mountains and it's, it will have to come back to it for sure and i know we had planned on doing that topic originally anyway and we did not get to it but i think well, this was yeah so i wanted to get an interview i wanted to see where you were coming from i want to get yeah. a fresher on the box so we'll go way deeper onto that topic i, I already know it's going to be a fun one. hell yeah man it's always good talking to you dude all right and then shout out to our actual sponsor tonight uh if you look right above andy's head that's uh the Neuralink uh sponsor <laughs> and and actually andy congratulations you've oh, got dude. one let it's me tell already, you, it's already in there. Let me tell you, the side effects are brutal, but it's all worth it. <laughs> Pour it whenever I you want. I no one knows. The family doesn't know. Am I saying help me right now? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's throw some plugs again uh, sure, where people sure. can find you and, and what you're all about. I'm on YouTube and Odyssey with the Deep Share podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Deep Share. I'm on Facebook. You can find me under Andy Rouse. You'll see the Deep Share logo or the Deep Share podcast is on there too. Um, all the podcast platforms, I think. If there's any I'm not, if you find out, please let me know. I'll find a way to get on there. Um, I have a Patreon where my buddy Shane and I do all kinds of fun episodes about just random stuff. It's I call it pure entertainment and I still release them to the public eventually because I I can't not for some reason. It's just something inside that won't let me keep things behind a paywall. I don't know why, but it's all fun and entertainment over there if you want to check it out. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Right on, man. Well, that wraps up uh, episode three of the Paranoid American Podcast, name pending. And uh, just remember that if you're not paranoid, you're probably just not paying attention. Thanks, guys. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.